Every business is unique. But the ups and downs we experience as we launch and run our businesses are pretty similar. We're Harmon Brothers, the team behind Pooping Unicorns and other weird but successful video ads you've probably seen. We help businesses grow through unforgettable video marketing, and we're no stranger to tricky situations. In fact, we embrace them. The goal of this podcast is to show how your crappy circumstances could be the golden opportunity that leads to your next success. You're listening to Poop to Gold. Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. I'm Benton Crane, your co-host and the CEO of Harmon Brothers. Today I have with me Chad Collins. Welcome to the show, Chad. Hey, it's great to be here, Benton. So Chad is an entrepreneur, Guinness World Record holder, and a huge Lego fan. I almost feel like Daniel should be doing this interview because Daniel is the huge Lego fan at our office. We have Lego creations all over the office, and they either belong oh, to Daniel wonderful. or Shane. Uh, so... Um, so you should, uh, you should fit right into the culture we've built around here. Perfect. So Chad is also the CEO of Collins Commerce, which is an event production company. The events that Chad hosts are BrickFest Live, Lego Fan Experience. We're seeing the theme. That's right. Comic-Con for Kids and Mind Fair. He holds the world record for selling the most tickets to an event for a single video game. Yeah, man, Minecraft. It's a pretty cool background. Thanks, man. Okay, so let's start out. Let's get an overview of your business. So it sounds like you're involved in, in lots of events. Um, what does that consist of? Do you have, do you have clients? Do you um, just do events that you own? Talk, give us kind of the, the elevator pitch. Yeah, so for the last six years, our primary business has been uh, an event production company. Um, mm -hmm. But interestingly... It's still like we didn't wake up one day and decide, hey, we want to create events. Um, my daughter actually asked me to create a YouTube channel with her all about Lego. So we started creating YouTube videos. We got kind of hooked on it. We started getting a lot of engagement back from the video content that we were putting out there. And we actually just wanted to go to a show, go to a Lego show to create content for our channel so we could show our audience, hey, you can be in a room of people just as enthusiastic as you are about this thing. And being from the Philadelphia area, I naively thought, well, there's got to be an event that we could just hop on over to and get all this footage. Well, it turned out that that event was like several states away. We did find an event, but it was far away. And that's when the moment hit, well, hey, we've, we kind of have this community. We've you know, we have a relationship with Lego now. We have all these vendors that like send us stuff to review on our YouTube channel. Maybe if we asked everyone if they would participate in an event that we hosted, um, we could just do our own show. And we did that. And the first show we ever produced was April of 2014. And we had 24,000 people walk through the doors of that very first show. Wow. So, so you can imagine like, obviously, we, we knew leading up to the event that we were going to have quite a large crowd. So we needed to make some decisions along the way before we even opened our doors to that first show. We had already secured a second venue, started promoting a second show. And that's when you have the conversation. Well, I've got this everyday nine to five job that I'm happy with, but maybe, maybe this is the moment where I go for it and this now becomes the thing that I could put all my energy, energy into and have a huge impact at the same time. So 
So we did that. We created BrickFest Live. Uh, the first year we had uh, four or five events, uh, mainly on the East Coast. Um, in 2016, we launched two new shows. Uh, one was a science and tech expo called Young Innovators Fair. And the second one was uh, an event called Mind Fair. 2018 um, or 2019, we launched an event called Comic-Con for Kids. So to answer your question, like what is owned and what is, you know, who we have relationships with, uh, BrickFest Live, Comic-Con for Kids, they are productions that um, we, we own the IP to mm-hmm. and we promote as an independent production company. And um, the Minecraft event, Mindfair, started that way. Um, but of course, then Microsoft was like, hey, like, who are you guys? What, what are you doing over there with, uh, with Minecraft and Mindfair? And, and we ended up forming a licensing agreement with them. So we ran that show for three years under license uh, from Microsoft. Um, which was a great relationship. And that's, as you mentioned, set world records for attendance for events for single video games. So from 2014 to present day, we've run over a hundred shows nationwide. We've had over a million people, ticket holders uh, walk through our doors and, and our primary, our customer is mom, right? Mom is gonna buy tickets for our shows to bring her kids to so they could have a great family experience. If you had to describe the why behind your business, how would you describe it? Man, it comes down to family uh, at the end of the day. Um, Family and personal experience. When we started like the Lego events, um, I knew like I deeply, you know, maybe like Dan, Daniel thinks about it. Like I was deep into Lego as a kid. And I attribute a lot of to the way like my brain works to how I've been problem solving all along the way. Like as an engineer for Lockheed Martin, I was like, okay, like all the engineering things that I was doing, I always in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, it's kind of like Lego. And I was like doing the more advanced Lego sets, just like, you know, kind of layering on. And so then when my daughter got into it and she was only seven years old when we started the YouTube, um, like I was like, oh, this is so important because I know how important it was for me because I'm solving problems later in life and I'm attributing it back to this toy that I played with when I was her age. And so that's why we dove deep in, into YouTube. Then once you start to get community engagement, it becomes infectious, uh, but it's digital, right? You don't know. You, you see the numbers on the screen, but you don't have that person to person interaction. So while you can share your enthusiasm, as everyone knows, it's next level when you could be in the same room as the person that shares that enthusiasm with you. It's like going to a rock concert and everyone's cheering and singing all the words along that energy you can only get at the concert, not while you're listening on the radio in your car. So, so then it was like, well, how could we amp this up? And the event just seemed like the next logical step for us. Um, and we had the community kind of like built, like we've established ourselves as a voice in the Lego world on YouTube, which gave us the credibility we needed to go and then launch that event. Now, as an events company, tell us about what has 2020 been like? It has been poop, <laughs> um, especially in March. So you know, I remember 
sitting on the couch next to my wife as Mark Cuban got that text on his phone and then showed to the referee and then and then NBA season was paused. I remember that was March 11th. I remember March 12th um, being in a leadership team meeting and in real time, major events are being canceled. The NHL suspends the season. And, and we, by the way, the next week, we were going to be doing a run of like seven shows in eight weekends across all the different brands that, that we talked about. And I knew we, we were going to have to make some serious changes and we, and we did very quickly. So um, it, was a, it was a very heavy couple of weeks there in March and, and early April. And we've since clearly postponed all events until fall of uh, 21. Um, but from a, an event production company standpoint and from the size of our company and the revenues, et cetera, um, obviously we were one of the first industries to be impacted by this and we're going to be one of the last industries to come back. Um, and we're at this point taking our cues from the large events um, that are out there, sporting events and concerts. Uh, our events attract eight to 20,000 attendees a weekend, which is similar to any major professional sports event. So when they're able to have fans in the stands, we know that's going to give us the green light and when we're going to be able to produce our shows uh, the way we've done in the past. Now, it's interesting because on the Poop to Gold podcast, we were usually talking about poop moments that led past. Yeah, that, 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 have, that have led to gold. And, um, you know, just looking into the future, I suspect that, you know, fast forward a year or two or three, mm-hmm. and you'll probably be looking, at, looking back at this poop moment and identifying all the gold that came from it. Um, but since you're in it right now, yep. I want to dive into this just a little bit. Let's go. To talk to us about what are the emotions that uh, that you were feeling on March 12th or March 13th or whatever a date it was that you realized I have seven shows in seven weeks and not a single one of them is going to happen. I have to postpone all of these shows. I've got to deal with all the blowback, all the ramifications of that. I still have costs. It's going to impact my revenue. What are you feeling? What, what's the emotion that's going inside of you at that point? Well, you're giving me chills, just putting me back in that space. Um, the, the Friday the 13th, or, or um, Friday the 13th was the last day uh, for a lot of employees in our company. The 12th, I had a stand in front of our production company that was preparing to get on a plane to go to uh, Minneapolis to produce a show and tell them that we were suspending business operations. So my message about that and I'll get into specifically what I felt, but there are so many people that, you know, want that responsibility, right? So, well, you could talk about the Peter Parker principle, right? Um, They want their responsibility. They want to build a big company. They want to provide for lots of families and, and we were doing it. And to then be thrown this curveball, which is completely out of your control and be able to deal with it, and handle it and, and be the deliverer of bad news to all of these people that have, that A, you've created a home for, but B, have run the business that you've created, um, is a, is, was the most tough pill to swallow and 
probably the, the most tough pill any of us entrepreneurs that are going through this this thing that it's impacted like our businesses um, have had to swallow. How, how many people are we talking about here? How, how, uh, like 23, 24 people. That's brutal. Brutal. I Absolutely brutal. In, in my career, I've had to fire just a small handful of people. And I think every single one of those was a horrific experience that kept me up at night mm -hmm. um, that just the anguish that you feel about upending somebody's life like that and impacting their ability to feed their families, um, it's, it, it, it's excruciating. And you had to do so, that times 23. Yeah. And so I did it, uh, stood up in front of everyone, delivered the news, um, and beelined to my office so I could like cry by myself, like literally. And hearing the howls in the halls of our HQ, where you know, where our staff um, were, they were breaking down right, right about their us. lives were just turned upside down, like in an instant. Mm -hmm. And and it, it's interesting because if you think about it now, when you look back on it, you're like, well, of course. I mean, you can't have shows, right? Of course, there's social distancing. This is like social distancing, like didn't exist at this moment. That's right. Like that phrase didn't exist. People weren't wearing masks all the time outside um, or, or outside or indoors or, or whatever, right? You couldn't get PPE. Like PPE wasn't even a thing. This was like immediately because we, we felt it first. So the shock and all of all that was deep. Um, the, the other way it, it impacted me, and I actually wrote a post about this on my personal Facebook page um, a couple of weeks after it. Um, you know, I'm still kind of like digesting what had happened. And, and I wrote a piece called Confessions of an Entrepreneur. And I put it on my, on my Facebook, my personal Facebook page, kind of going through the, you know, the grief of everything that has happened. Um, but also at the end of that, that post was, there's gotta be something great that comes out of this. And the true bred entrepreneur sees this as a way where they could refine their skills, where they can, you know, that yes, there's going to be this pause, but it gives us an opportunity to dust off some old projects that we wanted to work on that we never had the time to because we're busy running our everyday businesses. So there's a huge opportunity for a lot of entrepreneurs out there at this time too, that was really hard for some people to see because of all the negativity um, and uncertainty that's out there that still is in a, in a, in a big way. So that's kind of, one way that I coped with it was as entrepreneurs and, and those that have thriving businesses, it's so easy to share our wins, right? It's like, you know, here's a video that got a billion views, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or here's, here's our event being featured on the local media, right? On the local TV. And here's this article in a newspaper and here's the Guinness world record, right? It's so easy and fun and thrilling to share that because it inspires others and it makes you feel good at the same time. Well, I felt because I had been sharing publicly so much of the journey from, you know, from literally the garage to selling out convention centers, um, that I had to share this part of it. I had to share the Look, it's been really awesome for a, for a while. This is the opposite of that. This happens too. And um, 
I think it was the most engagement I've ever seen on any one of my, my posts um, on, on my personal Facebook page ever. Cause it was, I mean, it was a raw, as raw as it gets kind of a post. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think it's important that we touch on that j- just a little bit. The fact that you said that was about 10 days in that you wrote that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like a, a week or two, a week or two post. Yep. So I, I think that highlights an important attribute that entrepreneurs need to cultivate. And, and that's this attribute of adaptability of, you know, when the poop happens, cause it will, um, it, you know, it, it's not, it's not if it's when, and, and when it happens, you know, it's going to be painful. It's going to hurt. We're going to feel it. Um, it's going to stretch us in ways that, that we didn't know we could be stretched. But then we kind of have a choice. And, and in that choice, you know, we can choose to, you know, wallow in our despair and, um, and shrink, if you will. Or we can step back and we can adapt. And... Um, that adaptability of recognizing that, you know, things have changed. The world has changed. Circumstances have changed. Now what? Um, so I, I, I love that you highlighted that and that, you know, within just a few short days of having your life upended and having your employees upended, you're already thinking in terms of uh, adaptability. So now that you've had, you know, a short few months to work on, you know, adapting. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about where your mind and your efforts have gone since then? Yeah. So the first thing I did was I looked back at what has been the biggest needle mover for us in our business over the last 24 and 36 months. The, my first instinct was how can I help other businesses? So, because I knew like the, the event space, like, it's going to be a while, right? We still don't know when things are going to come back. So it was like, how can I, how can I help other, other businesses? What, what have we been doing in our business that's really moved the needle for us? And what I discovered, and I knew this, but what I was able to back up with data now is that text message marketing specifically resulted in 80% of the ticket sales that we sold ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Which is huge, huge. And we adopted text message marketing early and I knew we were doing it differently than most other businesses and we were really aggressive with it. So my first thought was how can I educate a bunch of businesses all at the same time and get them to implement text message marketing in their business. So what I did is I asked a whole bunch of marketers that I knew um, because I studied marketing. I studied online marketing, direct response marketing, and made a lot of friends throughout the years. So I had this part of my Rolodex and it's like, hey, have you used text message marketing in your business? What do you think about it? Can you come on and talk about it with me? And through those early conversations, they then introduced me and said, hey, you have to talk to this person or you have to talk to the company that runs this text messaging platform. And we got like 14, 15 people and I hosted a text message marketing summit digitally and we got like 1,200 people to sign up to to watch that. So I was like, all right, I will start to build other audiences 
because we built this audience of like Lego fanatics, right? Mm -hmm. And we were able to deliver them with a Lego event that exploded into a nationwide touring Lego fan experience. Well, all right, can I build an audience and help other businesses that are really struggling right now implement strategies and tactics that are gonna help them grow or help them sell more of their stuff or help them have a bigger impact. I leaned into that and just started communicating more with all my marketing buddies. And um, so we did that, we did the text message summit in April and then we just did the marketing on demand summit and we're launching a podcast here um, well, September 14th. So depending on when you're, when you're watching this, September 14th, the marketing on demand show is live and we'll continue to build and nurture this audience. And here's the, the important thing here without the sale, without like the sale in mind, because I think there are so many folks out there that specifically want to get into the marketing education space and they immediately want to run you through a process that's going to result in, well, get on my webinar and buy the two or $5,000 program that I have, et cetera. And they start with that instead of starting with, let me just like talk to the coolest people I know about marketing and deliver free value, free content without the thought of, well, how can I then monetize this? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I'm in community building mode as we speak. And will there be a service offering down the line? Will I talk about someone else's product now and again? Probably, but that's not my focus, not even remotely close to my focus right now. It's just get content out there, expand my universe of people that I'm talking with and just put great content that's actionable out there into the world and people can use it and we can become friends, we can get to know each other. And when the time is right for there to be a program or an event, cause I'm an events guy. So mm -hmm. my thought is like, Hey, how could I bring everyone together? Right. When the time's right, that, that kind of stuff will happen. And I believe the opportunity will present itself instead of me trying to find what the opportunity is. Love it. If you had to identify three pieces of advice that you would give to entrepreneurs, what would, what would those three pieces be? Um, boy, I think you have to know yourself for one. The more you can look inside yourself, understand what your strengths are and be okay with the stuff that you're not strong at is number one. Like, like make a list. Like I'm great at this. I'm not great at this. Right. And then surround you yourself with people who are great where you're not. Yeah. Well, that's number two. It's like, I think all entrepreneurs of guilty is uh, guilty of this for years. I was like, no one can run Facebook ads like I can run Facebook ads. No one can control the traffic like I control the traffic because as the entrepreneur, right, as the proprietor, it's your dollars when it comes to spending. Mm -hmm. So do you, wanna, do you wanna give someone else that responsibility? Well, if you create a SOP, if you create the parameters around someone that's not you can operate in, then you have to delegate that because if you're like me, I found if I'm in Facebook all day, well, I can't do these 12 other things that are going to help us grow, right? I can't create the next show, right? Yeah, cool. We have BrickFest Live and we're doing 10 or 15 shows a year, but I can't create Comic-Con for kids if I'm running Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. 
So two is, is yes, is taking the thing that you're, you think you're really good at and no one else can do and find the person that could do that and train them the right way and give them the parameters to operate in. It will set you free and let you, let you grow the business exponentially. So that's number two. And then make sure your, you know, your T's and C's are in order. Um, you know, by that I'm talking about like terms and conditions, like all like the the junk that you really don't want to think about, like all the legalese stuff that you don't want to think about when you're signing a contract with a service provider. Like there's so many people that it's just like, they get the agreement and right. They just think that, okay, it's fine. Like I'm going to sign it. But when stuff goes sideways, what do you go back to? You go back to those legal documents that you signed that you just thought that you just clicked a button and everything was going to be fine. Um, so I would, I would have a keen eye. Like if it's not you get someone to, um, have a keen eye on all of your agreements and make sure that your terms and conditions on your website or anything else that you do set you up so no one can come in later and kind of complain about something that wasn't specifically identified in the terms and conditions on your site. If you're doing e-com, you know, we're doing things like text message marketing and, you know, and emailing and selling online. And when you I implement some of those types of marketing tactics, you know, there are actually laws that, that dictate to you how you can and should communicate with your, with your customer base. And if you don't do it the right way, then stuff can get a little uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So my third piece of advice is if you, you know, if you're a marketer and you're out there and you're emailing and you're texting and you're doing all these things, just make sure that you have the right disclosures um, and that you have your terms and conditions and your privacy policies all up to snuff. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. As a, as a young entrepreneur early on, I thought any money spent on an attorney was just money flushed down the toilet. It was, those were some of the most painful expenditures uh, yeah. early on, but I don't see it that way anymore. Now I, uh, it, those are uh, expenses that I'm happy to incur because it means I'm, I'm protecting myself and protecting the business. It saves you in the long run. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and quite frankly... For me, reading contracts is worse than going to the dentist. Like I, I hate legalese so bad, it just sucks my soul. And so having a trusted attorney who I can, who I can delegate that to and he can tell me, hey, this contract is okay for you to sign, I've looked over it, it's in your best interest, versus hey, there's some stuff in here that you need to be aware of, uh, worth every penny. Yeah. Where can our audience stay in touch with you? So the best thing right now is text the words, you back to texting, text the word show to 90851 and we'll get you information on the marketing on demand show and how you can follow me on Instagram uh, at chadcollins.me um, or you could check out chadevancollins.com. You'll be able to see all the projects that I'm working on. Um, yeah, that's the best way. Text show to 90851. 90851. Text the yep. word show. Awesome. So you're about to launch your, your podcast, Marketing On Demand Show. Um, mm -hmm. So by the time this episode goes live, your podcast will be live. And so our, our listeners can check you out there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Please check it out. Again, it's, um, you know, it's part uh, stories and lessons learned, uh, marketing stories and lessons learned from from my entrepreneurial journey, right? And even things that have happened in different parts of my life that have led me to make the decisions that, that I've made uh, to create our event production company. 
and bringing on guests like you uh, to share their knowledge. So two episodes a week, one, uh, one will be solo, one will be with a guest. And yeah, it's just gonna be a lot of fun to put, put this stuff out there for you guys. Awesome, exciting times. Well, Chad, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your story, really appreciate it. Um, for our listeners who were touched by Chad's story, uh, reach out to him, stay in touch with him. And of course, you know, if, if you wanna know more about our creative culture and how we've created at Harmon Brothers, you can check out our book, From Poop to Gold. Um, and otherwise, thank you for listening. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. We'll see you on the next one. At Harmon Brothers, we're known for what we call our hero campaigns. These are big nationwide campaigns for brands like Squatty Potty, Poopery, Purple Mattresses, Lumi Deodorant, and many others. What makes these campaigns special is that they've helped scale those businesses by tens of millions of dollars each. Now, companies reach out to us on a regular basis wanting a hero campaign. They want that type of growth, they want that type of branding, and they want that type of awareness. But the simple reality is, most businesses and entrepreneurs aren't yet quite ready for that level of growth. So we've built what we call a hero incubator that is designed to help entrepreneurs and companies prepare for a hero campaign and to be ready for the type of growth that they're looking for. The hero incubator starts with a marketing audit. We offer these marketing audits for free and you can apply for one at harmanbrothers.com forward slash audit.